This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, I'm stand-up comedian James Mullinger and the co-founder of Edit Magazine. This is Mullinger Meets Canadians, the podcast where we meet Canadians who are making waves on the world stage. In this week's episode, I'll be speaking to the world-renowned chef Michael Smith and his wife Chastity Smith, an accomplished interior decorator and musician. This powerhouse couple are bona fide Atlantic Canadian legends, and they combined their talents in culinary arts, design and customer service to rethink and transform Prince Edward Island's Inn at Bay Fortune. When they took over as proprietors, they grew the business by a whopping 600% and established the inn as a five-star destination, the only one of its kind on the island, with travellers flocking from around the globe to experience their epic nightly feasts. While Michael is a native of New York, he proudly identifies as being Canadian and was actually awarded the Order of Canada in 2019. He is also a top-selling cookbook author, 10 to date, and the host of several cooking shows, including Chef Michael's Kitchen, Chef at Home, and Chef Abroad, which appear on Canada's Food Network and in more than 100 countries around the world. Recently, Michael and Chastity opened their sister property, the Inn at Fortune Bridge, and I spoke with them about this unique addition, how they survived lockdown, the curse of tipping, what will save the Atlantic Canadian tourism industry, their favourite dishes, and what it's like being probably the most famous people in the Maritimes. Michael and Chastity, how are you? Great, how are you? Good morning, James. <laughs> Good morning. It is, uh, it is great to, to hear you both. Um, how have you been coping during this kind of uh, strange time that we're all living through? Well, <laughs> we're coping, James. <laughs> uh, you know, I think um, we're, we're basically doing our best to understand the challenges yeah. and, to, and to react to them. You know, we've, we've, we've had a very interesting uh, winter. I think we all have. How's homeschooling? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that stopped very quickly. <laughs> How about you guys? I think what we did is we, is we just tried to kind of create um, fun things that we can teach them. And I'm sure in both your cases, I mean, I'm sure those two things involved music and, and cooking, did they? <laughs> yeah, to some degree. Chaz really took the lead on uh, homeschooling here. Um, yeah. You know, I sort of kept working and Chaz uh, devised an awesome day for the kids, and I mean, it's not it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. I don't I don't want to sit here and suggest that this is you know put us on a pedestal or something. Every parent um, struggled with this, really. I mean, trying to figure it out, yeah. hell, trying to teach math in French. <laughs> <laughs> not to mention the fact that they were going to kill each other at the table. So come June, it was like I'm done. Like I can't do this anymore. So. <laughs> That is it. That is exactly it. I mean, yeah, my homeschooling became, here's the phone, go and play Minecraft or Fortnite. That was my... Uh... Yeah, build, build the Parthenon, go. 
yeah, that's it. But I mean, of course, I mean, like most people, you were obviously at home with the kids, but also finding ways to uh, not only carry on running your business, but also ways of, of doing your business in a completely different way. How did you kind of, um, you know, how, how did that thought process go? And how did you end up with the with the in at home concept, which was genius, by the way? Well, thank you, James. I think, um, I think, in essence, the first step was seeing the challenge and understanding that the world was about to change and understanding that to move forward, we had to let go of the past dramatically, radically, immediately. Uh, yeah. In our case, that all sort of happened in mid-February um, and we got right to work modeling what the season could look like. We had four models built by mid-February. Uh, one of them we're using now. What I didn't see, I don't think what we expected was takeout. So right. when the world pivoted, I, I guess it would have been mid-March-ish, uh, we started to see restaurants in our position all over the world start to explore takeout. And that uh, it became very clear to us that if we were going to put our team back to work this year, we were going to have to explore takeout. So as we talked about that and thought about that, takeout quickly became picnic. Um, and it just, I mean, you know what it's like, James, you're a creative guy. It's hard for us to say to you, Hey, this was the moment when we realized it, but it did, it became very quickly. It became clear to us. We're going to do takeout. We're going to do picnics, uh, because gathering people around food is what we're all about. And, and, you know, taking out a burger and fries is one thing, but taking out a full meal for a family, a picnic is quite another, and it's really not that different from what we've been yeah. doing for years here. Yeah, it's true. It's 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 the it's the it's the pandemic version of the feast. You're still bringing people together around food. Sure, and we're outside. I mean, we're so lucky. We're so lucky, James, that our business is is so outside oriented in the first place. That we have the land that we have. That we have the outdoor cooking facilities that we have. All of that has has uh, helped us pivot. As I'm going around painting the place <laughs> the last yeah. four weeks, I realized that, uh, you know, what we did in creating the feast in the first place, you know, we had this, we took a risk and we created a family style dining restaurant. And now we're, you know, I'm going around and both of us are, and inside we've, we've gone from these large feast communal tables to deuces again. Uh, reversing yeah. what we changed five years ago. And it's kind of, uh, it's disorienting. You know, it was the mm -hmm. right move to make, but, you know, it's crazy to, like you say, to just all of a sudden we're separating. You know, we we built this business on coming together and now we're separating a little bit. But like, he's, like Michael was saying, the picnics have created a community just in a different way. So yeah. that's that's cool too, right? Oh, I agree, and it's um, it's it's super smart, and I loved all the kind of different interactive ways that you brought people together. With you had the YouTube videos and the Spotify playlist, and it's it's just interesting because again, I mean, almost every industry had to do the same thing, where you know, like as you say, you hadn't necessarily thought of doing picnics before. I mean, in the same way, I hadn't thought about doing you know comedy gigs via zoom or in in drive-ins but you kind of go right well this is the hand that we've been dealt let's find the best possible way way to do this um but i guess my question is do you feel like there are aspects of what you're learning now and doing now that could continue even when things go back to normal whatever normal looks like 
Well, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, part of our mandate, you know, through this whole thing, through all these years has been uh, to never let any idea disappear. Like, in other words, we evolve, right. we're constantly evolving. And that's been our mandate to evolve, to evolve, to evolve. So here we are uh, at this point where, well, maybe this could be something that we keep going and do in addition to the feast perhaps, or, you know, who knows how the feast will evolve. I mean, one thing's for sure is we always talked about reducing our numbers inside, you know, from an 82 seat restaurant, bringing it down, uh, evolving the food to more small plates, um, and also creating a pavilion in the back of our building where we would do exclusive dinners, uh, for a smaller group, uh, with, with their own chef and creating things uh-huh. that way. So, you know, all of a sudden now we've got, we've gone from just the feast to, uh-huh. well, there's a potential for a picnic. There's potential now for the, for the pavilion and how to do all of those things. Um, at the same time, that'll be the big question, right? Is the logistics of that. But yeah, we were, we were very clear with ourselves and with our team from, from moment one, that the values that, got us where we are, are the same values that are going to move us forward. Mm -hmm. But the challenge through this is not to lose our values. Mm -hmm. And as Chaz says, one of the things that defines the Bay fortune that's in our DNA, if you will, is our ability to evolve, to put ideas on the table, to quickly try them and to realize they're working or not working and to constantly be moving forward. It's in us. So that that has put us in a very good stead now. And we said, too, from day one, we're not scrambling to come up with some short-term solution. We're modeling our future. And I think legitimately, this picnic thing's got legs. The other thing that's really interesting to us, James, is that let's be brutally frank here. We ran a restaurant last year with an average price of about $250 a head for dinner. We're serving picnics now for $34 a head. That's a very, very different market. Uh, And Islanders are supporting us. So the right thing to do is to figure out how to support them moving forward. You know, our basket is basically a great big giant edible thank you. You know, with the way labor dollars are working right now, the right thing to do is just stuff more and more food in the basket because there's less and less labor in it. And so moving forward... The islanders that are supporting this, we are going to hold on to them. We're not going to let this picnic thing go. You know, we've we've got a whole new crowd that's joining us, and we're honored by that, and we're not going to forget. That's 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 amazing. And and again, I mean, like you say, I mean, right now, everyone's having to look within their own province for for opportunities. Um, but I mean, of course, traditionally, would you say the majority, 80 percent of visitors to the restaurants were um, coming from outside of the province and or indeed outside of Canada? Yes. Not necessarily outside I mean, of Canada, but a, absolutely uh, off-island, yeah. yes. 80% yeah. is, a, is a good, I mean, no, if anything, it may be a little low. Our largest market right. was Ontario. <laughs> right, right. right. Um, and, then, and then, of course, the Maritimes after that, and then the United States mm. and the rest yeah. of the world. So... Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's a, it's an incredible thing to to shift. And I mean, you know, for all those years you've been bringing people. And again, I mean, I would find it all the time. I would go to you know a meeting in Toronto, and pretty much 
one of the only things that they would be aware of in the Maritimes would be the inn. That's that's what people know. They they know what you guys do. Um, how have you managed to? Uh, create uh, an environment where the locals have always been so uh, supportive of you and of course you've been supportive of them but quite often when people do come in and create a thing that is for people you know or is mainly targeting people from outside how did you manage to kind of maintain that uh, kind of love for what you guys do? James I think you know and this is something we've talked about a lot lately I think Mm. what we're seeing is the result of a lot of community support from the business over the years and from ourselves and all the things that we, that we do regularly and routinely, you know, the business supports a lot of small producers Mm -hmm. and we're so proud of that. And I think, I think the world understands that, that, that we are, you know, cheerleaders for Prince Edward Island. So to see Islanders coming and supporting us, they know they're supporting their own community as well. They know they're supporting farmers and fishermen and producers in their community that we support, you know, and I, and I can't, you know, again, we're not trying to put ourselves on a pedestal here. Every business is doing their best right now, but I can't overstate the importance of a $1.5 million payroll in your community. Okay. We have a, we, we're proud of, of the jobs we've created and we're proud that they're good career track, well-paying jobs you know, and, and I think that, too, is part of the support that we're seeing. Definitely. I mean, I mean, the incredible thing is, of course, going back, um, you know, I imagine when you both visited there for the first time and uh, saw the opportunity, there must have been people that thought that you were that you were crazy to even think about pulling off such a, a, a kind of a, you know, when you said we're going to create a, a world class restaurant in this in this tiny place and people are going to come from from far and wide. Uh, people must have said you were mad. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> well, in my case, twice. I, mean, I, I dealt with yeah. this in the 90s when I was first chef at the end, the idea that we could create an awesome it, restaurant. Back then, I was yeah. wet behind the ears. I didn't know any better. I just thought, hey, we'll just do it, whatever. And so we did. Now I know better. And when we were getting ready to open, the, the the whole idea of growing our own vegetables, no problem. Everybody gets that. And cooking with live fire, fine. Awesome. But this idea of sitting strangers together, shoulder to shoulder, five years ago, that was scary. And everybody did not think that was going to work. So right. we stuck it out. We built it. And we'll stick it out again. You know, we're not going anywhere. And we'll figure out how to move forward. And we'll figure out what is going to honor our guests and honor this island and honor our staff the best moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, again, as you know, I mean, I I, I have never had uh, a dining or, you know, rarely even had any type of evening experience like the experience I, I, I had there. And that is the one thing that people people always say. Uh, no one ever forgets it. And that's what people want nowadays is they, you know, they, they want memories and they're going to want memories even, even more so after after all of this. Um, but can you both describe for me your first ever visits to, uh, Michael, you of course born in New York and, 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 and Chester, you were born in, in Newfoundland and Labrador. Can you describe the first time you visited the island and indeed the, the area and what your first impressions were? Well, for me, I grew up here too. Um, mm-hmm. My parents had separated quite when I was quite young. And uh, so I, I you know, spent years in Newfoundland, I was born there, obviously, first five years was spent there, or six years rather, and then came back here after my parents split up. So <laughs> my impression, of course, of the island is that part of my family is here 
So maybe I can't, I'm not the best one to answer that uh, to you. But I guess in terms of the two provinces, uh, for me, the island, um, you know, as our saying goes, uh, the, the gentle island, um, it's always been that for me. Um, yes. First of all, I was just saying to my dad the other day <laughs> that uh, I can remember being in Newfoundland um, and, you know, it would be this peak of summer and we would be uh, laying down on a car to try and uh, get a suntan because the, 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 the warmth would be in the car, right? Because <laughs> it was so cold. So at least you'd have a little bit of remnants of summer, you know, the feeling of summer. So, <laughs> yeah. so here was like, oh, that place you could go to that was just like, oh. Heaven. Yeah. I remember yeah, my first nice. moments uh, on Prince Edward Island. I was oh, I was God. driving a rickety old Jeep up from New York for the first time and made it as far as uh, New Brunswick the night before and the next day pile onto this ferry that's going to take me across to this island. And as I'm driving down the gangplank of the ferry on the PEI for the first time in my life, I'm tuning in CBC radio just for kicks and they're doing the death announcements. And I'm thinking, what in the heck? Where am I? I've never in my life heard such a thing on the radio. And, you know, yeah. but I got to say, James, it's only gotten better. And, you know, for me, Prince Edward Island is who I am. I wouldn't be the man I am if it wasn't for this island. You know, right. I'm a hard driving chef and that's not always the most positive thing. You know, there's there's parts of that that, that aren't necessarily good. You, you know, you push really, really, really hard. You work your ass off and sometimes you forget the things that matter in life. And when you live on Prince Edward Island, that's awfully hard to forget. You know, and I know yeah. at a time in my life when I needed direction and guidance and community and meaning. I found it here. I feel pretty darn lucky for that. I mean, it, it, as you rightly say, it, it, it gets talked about as a magical place and people that live there feel it, people that, that visit there feel it. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's remarkable because it's always been, it's always been a place that people wanted to go for, for numerous reasons, but you've created this, this destination, this, this reason. Where did, the, uh, where did the thought process come for the Inn at Fortune Bridge and, uh, and what's the kind of plan there now? We had architectural drawings done up to create two modern farmhouses on the back of the Inn at Bay Fortune. That was our idea, two six-room uh, modern farmhouses. Um, yes. And that was where we were going to go. Uh, however, fast forward six months later, this house comes on the market for the first time in a hundred years. Well, a hundred years ago it was built and it was the same family mm. that owned it all that time. The house came on the market and it had stayed on the market for a couple of months. And at the same time, Michael and I both one day just said, whoa, why aren't we jumping on that? Because it'll never It'll never happen again. And it was a treasured home in our community. The Johnson family uh, were the uh, fox ranchers. They had horses. They built boats. And they had the general store. And so it was a significant property. And uh, we thought we could take that and restore it. And, uh, you know, maybe that would be our next phase. And that's what we did. So um, Fortune Bridge is... Uh, is, is the sister property to the Inn Bay Fortune. Um, we have that open now, a couple of rooms that is, because uh, because of the way the building is laid out, there are two rooms outside with uh, views of the horse stables and, uh, and field. Um, and the other rooms are inside. And so we felt it wouldn't be, uh, 
Private it wouldn't entrance. be a pri- yeah it, would, it wouldn't work for uh, for anybody staying inside the building so having their outside their own private entrances would be best for this this year so it's kind of sad because I would like to see all the rooms open it's a beautiful property um, but you know we got to do what we've got to do and uh, of course you know in terms of housekeeping standards we've always been um, unprecedented with our cleaning uh, procedures and uh, now yeah. we've gone even steps further so. We're quite proud of that, knowing that people or believing that people are, are way safer staying with us than yeah. the local grocery stores. So, it's a sanctuary. Yeah. We've, we've tried to create a sanctuary, yeah. you know, a place where you can go and yeah. relax and know that you're safe and and just keep it simple. So we've reduced our prices uh, for the rooms and also included the farmhouse supper with that or in that pricing. Yeah. Wow. It's a heck of a deal. Yeah. Because the farm through all of this, our farm, we never stopped. Yeah. If anything, we we, we accelerated. Like we just, we didn't know what the year was going to look like, but we knew we were going to need vegetables somehow. So the farm (laughs) is just, the farm's having a great year right now. (laughs) <laughs> that's amazing i mean the thing is you, you've kind of pivoted so perfectly and and seem to have you know been able to a as you say like explore things that you had been talking about anyway and then of course creating completely new concepts like the picnic were there some days of of sheer despair in the early days of the, of the pandemic still are <laughs> He's not beating around the bush, James. This is uh, this is all, you know, okay, fine, thank you. Yes, we've pivoted successfully. We've come up with some good ideas, yes. But it, this is not in any way, shape, or form replacing the business that we had in the past. Uh, right. We think we've stabilized our business for 21. We're, we're virtually certain of that. There's, there's a few I's to dot and a T or two to cross. But really at this point, the picnics – the rooms, everything we're doing this year, the inn is not going to benefit from that. Our families are going to benefit from right. that. Yeah. The people that work for us, that's why we're doing it. Honestly, James, yeah. if we were strictly brutally business, we'd look at the numbers and the numbers say very clearly, don't open. Do not right. open. So right. when you ask if it's if there's fear, yeah, there's fear. I mean, we're living with it right now. We're, we're living with it every week, trying to make sure this business just grows to the degree that the picnics will support the folks that are working. Well, I commend you for that. I mean, it's 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 that kind of commitment to to people and and place that uh, has obviously you know is obviously why both of you are so kind of uh, widely embraced. Um, and congratulations also on the Order of Canada. That uh, that must have uh, been a been a nice feeling. Yeah. Thank you, James. He cried. Yeah. Very humbled. <laughs> I still am. Yeah, it's pretty well, humbling, you know, both of you being from different places other than Canada. I mean, you know, this yeah. place is so special and to be yeah. recognized for all that you do for this place is hugely validating. And It's incredible uh, it, achievement. And, and as you say, to be some someone who's um, who's come here, seen uh, the opportunities here, seen also uh, what can be embraced. I mean, I'm, I, I know you were... Uh, inducted for contributions as a chef entrepreneur and champion of local foods and efforts to develop regional tourism. I mean, the combination of, uh, as you as you mentioned, this kind of support of local, but also uh, the tourism industry as a whole. What what things do you think that the tourism industry could and should be doing right now uh, to help I- itself? Or or is there anything? Oh boy, James, there's a lot. Um, you know, I think as I said earlier, you know, first and foremost, to move forward, you have to you have to let go of the past, 
And right. honestly, um, not so much hotels, but within the tourism industry are many, many, many restaurants with a very, very flawed culture. And we in, in Canada, in North America, with this ridiculous system of tipping, we've got to let that go. We've got to move past that. It is part of inequality. It does hold people down. And when restaurants perpetrate this or, or keep this system going and allow guests to think that food is all about the lowest possible cost, it's about the price, how low is it, it's price, price, price. And then we dance this ridiculous dance with servers, this idea that, oh, if I don't get good service, I'm not going to tip when no data shows a correlation between the two. You tip because you feel guilty. It's the weirdest darn thing. And beyond weird, it's harmful. And I'm sick of it. And I'm sick of the general public ignoring this and not understanding the harm that they're doing to working families all over Canada. In our business, we refuse to do it. As you know, we are a hospitality-included business. We are open and transparent. We say to the world, there's a service charge. And by doing that, we are able to support our staff the way they should be supported. I mean, as an example, they all have this. after, After a year with us, you get the exact same health benefits that our own family has. And that's because we refuse to dance with these tips. So moving forward as an industry, we need to recognize that there are some things that we were not doing well, and we need to fix them. And that's one of them. That's that's so true. What will it take, do you think? What will it take for people? You would you would think that people would listen to you of all people. Why? Why is it not happening? It's so entrenched, James. It's just so right. entrenched. Like you've traveled the world. You know what it's like. Yeah. We're the only yeah. place in the world that does this. And yeah. it has roots in racism. Tip, you know, to ensure yeah. prompt service from the from the porter on the train, the guy who was so disrespected, you probably didn't even see the fella. And all these yeah. years later, TIP is still part of our world and it has straight up racist roots it's 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 crazy and as you say i mean you know it was i wasn't aware of it in england and then i came here and it's and it's everywhere and as you say it is it is guilt and it's um it doesn't yeah wrong it's absolutely wrong it is disrespectful to hard-working folks out there moms single moms dads everybody is trying to make a go of it in our business to have to dance with this ridiculous issue this I mean, there's even places in North America that, that where you're allowed to pay sub-minimum wage, less than minimum wage as an employer, because the expectation is that your staff is going to hustle a tip. How right. wrong-headed! That is not our Canadian values. No, it's criminal. And I mean, I mean, you're, the, the the way that, of course, you know, you have been. Um, you know, very strict about that, and of course, I mean, your 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 staff loyalty speaks volumes to that, to the to the to the way you treat them, to the to the way that uh, you embrace them, as you say, you tr- you treat them all like family. Um, how do you r- recruit? Like, what is the recruitment process? I mean, because you you seem to have uh, the best of the best there. So, how how do you uh, how do you get those people? Well, it's beneficial that we have such a social media pull, you know, that's, that's, that helps, <laughs> that helps right? Like, I think though, the key James is, is that we set a high bar. Well, that, yeah. yeah. You know, we expect yeah. like for Chaz and the hotel, we're able to hire from our community around us. Um, 
and everybody understands it's a great job. You're going to work hard, but you're going to be so respected. And I, yeah. you know, for the cooks though, we we yeah. we draw from across the country, in some cases around the world, um, a different cohort of folks uh, that you know that want to be a part of this. But overall, I think I think the secret here is that we just have extremely high expectations. We expect the best. But I think yeah. it's also uh, we're you know word of mouth spreads. You right. know the chefs. It's not a large you know, group to begin with, really. So they're going to hear about us somehow and about how, hopefully how we're treating people. And that's why they want to come work for us, you know? For sure. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I mean, as you say, people, when you, when you do, when you treat people well and you do good things and people have great life experiences, they, they tell people. Um, and as you say, I mean, you mentioned there, of course, the, you know, the incredible you know, social media following that you have. I mean, the following that you both have is, is, is global, um, you know, thanks to obviously the reputation of all that you do, but also through the TV shows and everything else. Uh, how do you cope with like being, because you must, you must sometimes when you hit the, the sobies on the island you must sometimes feel a bit like the mayor of, of uh when uh, people must be coming up to both of you all the time uh how do you kind of deal with that kind of uh, attention if you will they don't really <laughs> they just don't maybe no. just alone we're old hats no. around here yeah i mean james it's 20 that's been going on for like 20 years so everybody's had their picture now everybody's got their cookbook. everybody's had their picture. <laughs> you know nobody cares but honestly it uh you know it's 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 off island where it's a bigger issue and um yeah. it's not it, that's a tough one to answer, James. Like it, it, it can sound so disingenuous, you know. You know, at heart, I'm actually an extremely introverted guy, and yet, you know, I have a very extroverted job. I can't explain yeah. that. I don't know how that works, but no. it works for me. And you know, as a chef, um, with hospitality in my soul, all those years of meeting all those people who just want that moment, that just want that 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 quick conversation, that pat on the back. What a wonderful opportunity, you know, to just take mm -hmm. a second out of your day and smile and chat for a moment and say something light and make somebody else's day. I mean, that's, that's what yeah. chefs do. So yeah. no problem over all those years, um, but never something that, um, James, it's not my lifeblood. It's not something I crave or need. I don't, I don't need that validation. You know, it, it's, it's a really interesting thing to be in the middle of. And after 20 years, I don't fully understand how it all works, honestly. You know, it's what's sort of out of the positives that's come out of this pandemic. Uh, one of them, I think, is uh, these uh, forcing everyone to slow down. And for me personally, slowing down has uh, opened my eyes even more to how uh, great our little community is and how little I actually need, you know, right. like, I don't, I don't want to go to town. I'm quite happy with, and I mean, Charlottetown or, you know, anywhere really, mm. like, I'm quite happy just mm. becoming a homebody and, uh, you know, obviously working on our business, but I just, I just feels, I feel grateful, uh, for what we have. Um, and I feel just quite at peace really, you know, there might be fear associated with our business or uncertainty that that is, but I don't know if you felt that way where it's just like, mm -hmm. oh, wow, like we're OK. We're not uh, yeah. nothing bad is happening to us in particular. Like, I think that's part of what we what we need to do, you know, is this is this is we're so fortunate to be where we are. And 
we can look at the world, look at the news and get all scared and fearful and, and like, oh, everything's going to hell. But right in our own personal lives, that's where we have to focus. You know, we have to be grateful for what we have and that's what's going to give us peace. If, and and that, I hope you understand what I mean. I'm not saying bury our heads or anything in the sand. I just no. mean that we all have to just look at our own lives and, and look around and, um, yeah, just be grateful. I, I, I agree. I mean, this is the thing is that I think, you know, almost any kind of book or movie or, or, or piece of art about um, a kind of a global pandemic or indeed any kind of kind of global issue uh, we're always kind of led to believe for, for dramatic reasons that, that you know, uh, these things bring out the worst in human nature. But the reality is, is that this has brought out the, the best in human nature. And actually, people aren't, in, aren't intrinsically, uh, you know, liable to do the kind of the worst thing and look out for themselves. Everyone is kind of looking out for each other more than ever. And as yeah. you say, I mean, that is something to be embraced. And I agree. It's We're blessed to live in a place. Let's face it. We're blessed to live in a place where we were already social distancing before. Before it was even a thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just so funny. Suddenly, I mean, obviously, people in Toronto, New York, London, being told they've got to be however many meters apart. Um, tell us that in New Brunswick or PEI, and we're like, yeah, yeah, we've been doing that for a couple of decades now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. It does make you sad to think about those people, though, that have to live in those big cities and they can't get out and they can't go out in nature. And they, oh, it's just, yeah. that, that's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. But if, but if, but if it does create a kind of an appreciation for, and, uh, you know, I think we're going to see a lot more people moving to our parts of the world, parts of the world, um, as a result of this. I think you're right, James. Permanent tourists. Um, Why yeah. would you, you know, with all this remote working, I know. Why would you That's live it. in the expensive place with the view of the other expensive place, you know, the, the, the balcony across the street? Right. When you could be looking at a, a just nature, living in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, and my final question is something which I'm sure you've both been asked uh, a million times. And maybe the answer to this question changes every day. I don't know. But what is both of your favorite thing to uh, eat and your favorite thing to prepare? <laughs> you first babe <laughs> my favorite thing to eat is good old caesar salad <laughs> nice. made, by, nice. made by michael <laughs> my favorite thing to eat is this 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 sort of southeast asian noodle salad you're making these days babe that's yeah. my favorite thing like a peanut hoisin sauce with like all these vegetables and salad and sesame seeds and chicken wow. and Oh, it's so good. And I think That's underlying so both these answers is again that subtext of we're 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 enjoying this together. We're together. You know, this yeah. is with family, this is with friends, these meals, these food. Yeah, that that's what nice. we do. You know, we just every we have supper together every night as a family. It is forced, but you know, I don't know if it's as forced as no, it's, I don't it's not forced. really forced. I just mean we just enforce, it. Yeah, we enforce it. We enforce it. Yeah, yeah. We enforce yeah. it. That's important just to connect. You know, yeah. at least to have that supper together. But we tend to do more so, of that these days than have supper. In fact, our daughter, uh, daughter and son, Gabe, uh, Gabe is working in the restaurant helping prepare the picnic baskets. He's 18, almost 19. And Ariella, who's 11, is uh, helping in housekeeping. And, oh, Camille is, is, and Camille's got a, um, a career in, in stand-up comedy, I think, James. So Fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> Send her over there with you to uh, shadow you. 
Please do, please do. I have an intern program going here. You just want somebody to call you sensei, don't you? <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> it doesn't happen often enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Well, thank you both so, so much for your time. And thank you uh, again for, I mean, everything you do to, to put the, the region on the map, but also for everything you've done for your community and the way in which you've inspired others to um, look out for their communities as well. So uh, thank you so much. I, I salute thank you both. You, James, you too do the same, you know, for somebody that came to this place from another country, um, you, with this magazine, you and your wife, it is, it's beautiful. It's artistic. And I, um, proud to know that you're in our community. So thank you too. Thank you, you so much. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks, guys. Love you lots. See you soon. Take care, James. Bye. Thank you for listening to Mullinger Meets Canadians. If you like greatness, creativity, being inspired, laughing, or just love Canada as much as I do, then this is the podcast for you. So please do subscribe and review the show now. And be sure to visit Chef Michael and Chastity Smith at the Inn at Bay Fortune at your earliest convenience. Trust me when I say you won't regret it. Further details can be found on the Edit website, maritimeedit.com. See you all next time. Podstarter. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.